0: Welcome to Talking Volleyball. I'm Steve Hammond, BJ Leroy, and I talk with coaches, players, and others who have a love for the game. Mark Curlin joins us today. Mark brings a wealth of high school and club coaching experience to this session. We'll talk about what valuable lessons we've learned as coaches and what we would have told our younger selves about coaching. We hope it helps you, so join us. I'll start off with with what BJ starts off with every week which is first of all welcome glad to have you with us and second how did you wind up in volleyball
1: Actually it was because of a girl um ah. I came out of I came out of a basketball program and some friends asked me to play volleyball and I really liked it and it kind of ballooned from there and i tried to i played in some good leagues and got better and and played around you know when you play with better players you know they're not going to let you stick an arm out or do crazy things and um as my son um my oldest son now um got interested in it because i was interested in it Um, i coached him for a couple of years and he actually played in some sand leagues with us and then when he moved away uh, with his mom I had some people ask me to start coaching and it kind of ballooned from there
0: okay great well bj's with us now we can hear him
1: I think can you yeah. hear
2: me yeah we can can we Excellent. mute you
1: again no, I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah for the joining for the girl is the that's the way i I did the same um when I was 17. And uh, she's still mad that, probably still mad that uh, she got me to uh, to, to join because it occupies a lot of our time. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I've been, um, my current wife and I, we actually met playing volleyball, though she's not involved with the sport anymore. But uh, actually a statistical oddity is my friend who introduced me to her, our birthdays are exactly the same to the year. Wow and um we met at a pickup volleyball uh place and and uh, we've been together ever since that's cool so coaching kind of came late i wasn't really sure i had the temperament for it Um, a lot of my playing days was between first wife and second wife and i was i was tough to play with i was tough to play against because i was very frustrated you know, when you, you have, you know, your kids and custody and all these different things. And uh, I, I was surprised that I did have the temperament I didn't think I had. I mean, I've had my moments. I think everybody does. But I was surprised. There's probably a lot of people that are surprised, too. Sure more and get- more. More and more. I think
2: that's really one of the critical skills is just that self-control whether it's a practice or matches uh, um, Mark Dunphy calls it consistency. And I think he's talking about more than just temperament, but um, it applies to temperament, you know, that, that consistency uh, so that players and referees and even your boss and maybe even the fans can trust you somewhat uh, or trust that, you know, we're not going to have somebody blow up or get kicked out or embarrass us or whatever that is.
1: Yeah. And when you look at basketball and you just look at how the coaches talk to the officials, I mean, they're chewing on them, they're in their face and stuff. You do that in a volleyball match, you, you might make it five points, you know, and you're out of there, you know, it's, and I've been officiating these last few years and I've got a pretty thick skin, but you know if you if you're like a bat you know yelling across on every double that doesn't get called or every in out that a 15 year old might have missed you're not gonna be long for volleyball
2: yeah i I, I would agree um, and and kind of gearing it getting closer to our topic we could I mean maybe this is the first of many lessons uh, we we talked about maybe things we would have told ourselves, our younger selves. Uh, You've seen the series of letters from athletes that uh, they they write this long letter to themselves when they're beginning their sport. And it's, it's pretty telling. Um, Maybe this is our version of that, but that's probably one of the first things I would tell myself would be just to back off, get off the referees, you know, stop the ranting and, and, So, so rarely, um, would it be necessary to, to ever speak to a referee, at least in my current temperament, I used to talk to him all the time.
1: Yeah, I think, um, that's a hard lesson to learn. You know, it's, you know, to pick, I pick my spots a lot better than I used to. And I, I really don't get into it about subjective calls. You know, that girl takes that ball and throws it, you know, across her body, spinning a hundred miles an hour, you know you know, it was a double and they let him play. You know, you might get a look from me, but it's more um, like a missed rule, like, a, you know, libero uh, setting an attacking hitter in front of the 10 foot line, you know, using her hands, you know, something like that. That's a rule thing that I, you know, I think, okay, that that's where, you know, my captain's gonna come over or, or I might do a, you know, back row you know, something like that. But, you know, I've definitely, I've definitely changed on that. I, I think that sets the tone, especially for your players. And I think it sets the tone for the parents that are watching. You know, if you're going crazy on the sidelines, you're telling everybody else, go crazy, especially the parents. Yeah. You know, if, if the parents are whining about doubles and you're just going about your business, you know, sometimes those parents are going to settle down say, well. The coach is not mad, so. You know, maybe, maybe it's just, um, maybe we need to shut up now. Doesn't always work, but I I think we lead in that way. I think um, the same thing with the players. I see it when I'm on a rough stand. Coach is arguing with me all the time. I, I guarantee you, I'll see that captain more than I might BJ's team, you know, or your team. You know, it's, it's really funny how, you know, you, you are centered. You are the example. You're not just the example about coaching. You're the example about temperament. You're the example about how you carry yourself. Um, we were talking about my assistant coach. I'm very big on, I'm always on time. We we talked about uh, if I tell them to be there at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm there at 745. You know, it's, and especially in school setting, you know, you're the supervisor of those kids. You want to make an AD med, you know, you show up a half hour after the girls and they're messing around and and running around or doing crazy stuff, but I think my skill set. This is going to sound really silly. I DJed weddings for thirty years, and at a wedding reception, you can't walk in the door. Uh, not into it. They'll pick. People will pick up on that in a second. And it's, and you know you could not feel well. You know you might be, whatever. You know, just not in a good mood and stuff, but they deserve your best. I feel the same way about coaching, no matter what, even if you don't think you can win this game, even if it's, you know, you were out late with your buddies, you know, and you didn't get home till two o'clock in the morning and your first game is at eight, You, it, the girls or the boys, they don't care. You know, you're coach now. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I've always been like that. I've always looked at how I carried myself on the sideline and how I carried myself to everybody. You know, if I'm coaching against BJ, we're going to shake hands. And even if I don't know you, you know, hey, you know, how's your season going? Especially high school. You know, yeah. how's your season going? How are things? You know, stuff like that. I think that's one of the things that's changed because I was very paranoid when I started, especially with high school. I, I've heard people tell me it's the difference between the girls and the and the boys game, but I was paranoid. I didn't talk to anybody. The kind of communication that you and I have, you know, when we sat at the, restaurant talking about how we run our practices. I never would have done that in 2005. I would have talked to you and drank a beer with you and talked to you about Huskers versus Wisconsin, but, but X's and O's or how to make my practices better. I was very guarded. I don't know why. You know, I, I yeah, um, I, that's one thing I think
2: I did right, uh, early on, as soon as I got the, the, my first varsity job, I think it was 24, and as soon as I got that job, I just, I, I knew some of the people I knew of them, but a couple of them were just real welcoming. And, um, I, I, I think that's one of the few things that I got right was we just, uh, we are all pretty good friends, especially in our conference. We, you know, went to conference meetings, drove together, ranking meetings. We, we drove together, hung around together. And, and that, you and know, I, I know we're, we're talking about the stuff we we did wrong or fixed. <laughs> uh, I I get it though. I mean, on on the girls' side for sure, a lot of the coaches are very guarded. They don't they don't want to talk about what they do or give details. And on the boys' side, I think it's survivorship. You know, the college men speak to each other all the time. Actually, help each other recruit some. Um, Hey, I know about this guy. We can't use him, but I think he fits your system. They they do that a lot.
1: Yeah, Ray Vance had said that I was going to go out to the men's uh, final four when it was at George Mason, and he and uh, him and a couple other people had told me it's like the vibe is completely different than than um, the women's final four. You know, and coaches, it's just it, he just said it's a completely different vibe, just like what you're saying. Just the sharing, the talking you know, helping each other out and stuff. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen in the girls game. But, but um, I actually think some of the forums, the positives of the forums has helped people network a little bit. You know, I look at people like Lauren hate up in uh, Michigan, who we've gotten to be great friends. And uh, she's up there trying to deal with a culture that's just awful. And, but you know, she's probably going to be at Casa de Curlin for the ABCA this year. Um, you know, just because I want her to come down and meet all these people. And if I can, if I can help her out, you know, in that way, because it's an Omaha, if I can help her out in that way, you know, where she can get around other coaches, get out of that culture. Cause that's, that's the only example she's getting is just parents screaming at her, you know, um, a high school. That's had a terrible culture that she's trying to fix and, you know, I think it'd be great to get her out here for a week and introduce her face to face to some people just to just to kind of see that it's just not like that. It's certainly not like that in Nebraska.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, the funny thing for me, as I started at a club, actually, uh, when I wound up going to adversity, Mike used to always say, oh, you, you, you coached on the dark side. And we were really, you know, it was blocked and it was, you know, 90 minutes of drills and, and the old school drills, lots of, you know, repetitive, make it look good kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that happened at that club is because we had all these things blocked, the whole gym was doing some things at the same time, and it was the girls were doing repetitive stuff, and the coaches would congregate and talk about what they were doing and what they were going to do with the thirty minutes they had that they could do what they wanted to do. And um, I learned a lot from that, and I, I was able to interact with a lot of different coaches at dip, you know. And this is club, um, some some you know moms who just got drafted to coach, and some coaches who had been around for a long time. Uh, but that that was actually less so when I got to a club that was more, I'll say in the Kessel School of how to teach the sport. And uh, but we didn't have quite as much interaction. I would have that would have been one change I would have made at that club. It's find, finding a way for coaches to interact more because we generally would come into our practice and, and leave. Um, you know and there'd be a little bit of interplay, but not as much as, uh i was at the dark side clubs which wasn't a dark side club it was just a different way of teaching the game um so i, I think uh i do agree with you it, it at least my experience has been coaches are pretty open and um we i, I coach at a, at a school that's just it volleyball is not very popular we're we're not drawing the best athletes from the school yet um, but we're, we're starting to get some traction and i will say the coaches that i we play against uh, have a nice level of respect for what we're trying to do you know we yes. played we, we played two matches against the eventual state champions and those guys could not have been nicer and more complimentary and more supportive of what we're trying to accomplish even though they just beat our brains in i mean i had to wait 45 minutes for the bus because we were done so soon um, but you know, those 45 minutes were great cause we talked to them for 45 minutes and they gave us some ideas and, you know, and gave us a lot of encouragement. So it can be a fun place when you get folks like that.
1: I think let's pick out
2: another, uh, let's pick out another one of these big watershed moments or watershed ideas, something that you were doing, Mark, give us one that, give us one that you were doing. That's a total reversal that you would, that you're glad
1: you changed from early on. I used to be the drill guy. I used to be the guy that felt like he had to have 10,000 drills, and and I'm planning my practice, and I okay, we're gonna do the UCLA slide something drill, or we're gonna do the this or that, and I've kind of gone to the Russ Rose. We do about 10 drills, and we might change them this or that, but that's that's about all all we do, and the only kind of real drills i would say that we do is usually just for warm-up and i've kind of channeled my inner bj a little bit and just with, especially with club we did a lot of four and four and uh or five on five and we told them how we wanted to score it we told them what they wanted what we wanted to get out of them that's been a big change for me because i always felt like you know if people are watching you they expect drills they expect from three thirty to three forty-five, you're doing this. From three forty-five to four, you're doing this, and um, and and I've I've changed a ton. I probably don't even have. I've got books downstairs, you know, one thousand and one drills to you know. And here's the section on passing. Here's the section on hitting and stuff. I don't even look at them anymore. You know, usually, you know, we pass, we hit, um. A lot of, you know, serve receive, like I, I, a lot of people that know me here, I hate butterfly drills and I'd rather set them up and serve receive, you know, and I think that's probably one of the things that, that BJ, you and I talked about early on and in, in our friendship is just, you know, it, you have to use a ball, let them put the ball in play. I don't need to be putting balls in play, yeah. you know, do this stuff off of a serve, do this stuff off of a hit. And that was a big change big change for me, but probably the last five years it's made my teams better for sure. Castle sent me straight on that early on. Um,
2: I, I think it's maybe my second year of coaching. He, he got to me and, uh, I, I don't know how you changed it, but I, I abruptly changed and the players were ready for mutiny. They, <laughs> they did not like it because they got, they saw so much, um, easy success in the drills they could feel their they could feel the improvement quickly so they they really didn't like the the let's play um, I think a change I might have made there is I wouldn't have made that so abrupt I would have maybe slowly or over a season or a half a season you know let them keep a couple of their favorite drills and but we did we just shortened it I, I couldn't and Jen had me convinced quickly. So, I, I mean, I didn't want to waste the time. And I don't know if it would have been a waste. I think it just would have been an easier transition for the players. Because um, I'm the same in mean, Butterfly. <laughs> Marwan, just, Steve, You, I don't know if I've told you this one. At, at the clinic that Mike ran, the CAP3 clinic, um, he asked me, we were watching Bill Neville run Butterfly. And, and the, of course, Butterfly began in his gym. Uh, was named the butterfly by one of his players and Marwan asked me, what do you, what do you think of butterfly? And I said, yeah, I, I don't really like it because I don't like the automatic rotation. I want them to either get a reward or, you know, if, if come to natural consequences. I, I lost or I shanked it. I'm out. If I pass well, I get to stay or, or whatever, you know, some sort of competition rather than just automatic. And uh, so I explained all that to him. And then um, after the session, Neville's walking over, and uh, Marwan says to Bill, "Hey, Bill, BJ doesn't like your butterfly drill." (laughs) Nice. That was great. Felt terrible.
0: It's funny. It's funny though. um, You know, Mike and I—I asked Mike to—he was trying to design a better serve and serve receive drill, so uh, or grill or whatever you want to call it. And so basically, it's a butterfly. It's a rotating. Let's forget the butterfly part because it's not butterfly in shape. Um, but, yeah. you know, we it, it's a drill that does everything. It starts with a serve. Um, it gets a receive. It gets a, a set. It gets an attack. It gets a block, depending on the number of players you have available. Um, but if we've got 12 kids, eight, 10 to 12 kids in the gym, we can do it. Uh, but you're right. It—it's not. That's the kind of, I'll call it exercise, that isn't going to give you the competitive element other than, you know, uh, maybe maybe the guy who didn't get a set because you didn't pass the ball well and had to rotate through look, giving you the stink eye, going, I really wanted to get a swing on that one, and I got to go all the way through again to get another swing. But, I, I mean, I think there's there's elements of trying to make it do what you want it to do. I think, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Cecile uh, at, one, at the Cap 3 at, at, at Adversity who said, you know, score what you want, you know, right. and... Uh, uh, although i did see a comment and it's a fair comment somebody said about they had some negative scoring and i've used that um but it can be so demoralizing that i'm not sure that negative scoring works quite as well it depends on the level and all of that but um i think takes a certain amount of maturity yeah yeah I, I yeah especially for young players and you know i was coaching 13th and 17th at the time so probably let let things carry over from one to the other but you mentioned. Marwan, I was I was looking at things I learned from all of our guests, and Omar was on with us, and um, he told the story of how Marwan, He said he asked Marwan, "How could he be a, a a good coach? What would what would help him be a good coach?" He says, "I just need one answer from you: How to be real in practice? Go off for two days and come back and tell me how to be real in practice." I think I still don't know that I can answer that question.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. I, I've wrestled with that one too. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a great question. I don't want to give an answer because if people are listening to this podcast, they can think about it themselves. Maybe we'll talk about that in a later episode, but,
1: um, it's a great thing to contemplate. Yeah. I think, um, it's hard though. It's hard to take that control away. You know, I, I did not do it abruptly. I just, I looked at some of the stuff that we were doing and it's like, how can I take myself out of hitting that roll shot? How can I take myself out of doing this or doing that? And, um, and now it it feels comfortable, but you said something that was important to that kids hated it. You know, if I wasn't hitting balls at them, if I wasn't doing this, then I was, I wasn't, they didn't initially think I was engaged, you know, because that's the only way they've been taught. You know, coach stands here and does this coach stands here and does that coach, you know, does whatever the first time I handed a ball to a girl it says, Okay, roll it over, you know, hit a roll shot over to the other side, she's like me. So yeah, I said, that's, you know, that's where it's going to come from. And it, it was a big change. And it was, you know, in my previous high school, the last couple of years, it was a lot more well received you know, they were used to it, you know, that was how we did things. And, and to be honest, in like a high school setting, when you can't really practice with them and it's a legit open gym, they have things to draw on where they can, they can set their own drills up per se, you know, or their own activities. Maybe I'll say that, um, it's like, you know, instead of, Hey coach, what are we going to do? You know, well, you know, you know, play some six on six and, and do this or do that. But. And that's, like I said, that's another change. The the whole idea of play to get you better. You know, I try not to practice anything that I cannot apply. I can make them do cool stuff all day long. But like serve receive, there's six girls receiving serve because there's six girls receiving serve in a game. And one of the things I don't like about Butterfly and, and these replacement drills is you've got combinations that you would never use in a game. Whereas at six, I can put that outside, that, that libero, that right side, whoever, you know, work, get them used to talking to each other. You know, I've got that seam. I've got that ball and stuff. That's why I don't like well, – that's the number one reason I don't like Butterfly. It's just unrealistic to me.
0: Yeah, I think that's, a, that's an excellent point. And I think the counter to that, and I'll give you the counter to that from my perspective, is we're trying to make them whole volleyball players. And especially in my world, I've got all these guys who have never played before. So I don't know who my I, – I mean, I know who my six are right now, and I know who my three receivers are right now, but that's going to change. As you get more established and you're trying to refine the game, I can definitely see where, hey, this guy's never going to receive a serve. Um, let's let him work on what he's going to do
1: as opposed to what he's not going to do. I, okay, then I guess my pushback to that would be, especially in COVID land, that kid might – have to receive serve mm-hmm. or you may have to have that kid in that spot and you may have to, to change your serve receive. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, you know, this, this left side is a, a great passer, but she's got COVID. So her replacement is not really a great serve receiver. So now, you know, that right side, we've got to, we've got to practice her or, you know, find some way to maybe we pass with two or, you know, or something like that is I, I'm a firm believer in, especially in that first hour of practice, everybody does everything that five foot three girl is going to block that six foot girl is going to pass and all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the things I think BJ I've told this story too. last couple of years at, um, at the high school I was at, uh, we worked a lot on out of system balls and just trusting our hands you know, I mean, out of system setter takes the first ball, the barrel goes and she bumps it to the outside. You know, that's everybody's go to out of system play. And we were we practiced some other stuff. And then I told the girls, you know, it's practice. Try your trust your hands. Take a chance at it. Who cares? It's just us. And all of a sudden I got five or six girls. And I think BJ, I told you these girls were coming to me. Do you see that set? I should be a setter coach. I heard that. Last two years, like no other, it was the funniest thing ever. My middle, it was just setting beach balls just perfectly. And, and, uh, it was so funny to watch and listen to them chirp about it. it you know, it, it lightened up practice too. You know, they were all kind of showing off. It's like, look at me, you know, look at me, setter. Look at, <laughs> you know, look at my hands. So it was, it was kind of funny. How about, um, uh...
2: Where were you when you first started with conditioning? I I know we did a lot of pretty unrealistic drills that uh, were intended for them to to get them you know get get them in shape. This is a sport you know, um, and I got set I got set fairly straight on that pretty quickly. But I I know it was a couple of years where we had several drills and they were just I mean, they they were even named poorly. One was named uh, Blue Lips, and there was one that we named after a player who had asthma. She would she a couple times the first season I had her, she had an asthma attack during the drill um, because you know we just ran her too hard. I mean, we now um, do zero conditioning. Most of the athletes that I had were multi-sport athletes. So they were playing two at a time. Um, And we just, we played volleyball to get in volleyball shape. You know, I don't know. Where were you guys at on that?
1: I think for me that that's also been a change. I'm not a strength and conditioning coach Uh, the high school, you know, we've had people come in and and do some stuff. Um, You know, we, we did a little bit, you know, we, we did did some sprints. We did some, um, we didn't run a mile. You know, we did a little bit yeah. of jump training and stuff. But I, I like the, like you said, we, we had a drill. I'm almost sure this is a castle drill. It was 0-25, to 25, um, and you only could get points on uh, kills, aces, blocks. You couldn't get any, you couldn't get points on mistakes from the other team. You know, if they hit it in the net, they drill one out of bounds and stuff. And uh, this happened a couple years ago. Um, I thought this drill would take like 20 minutes. The, it, it took them a half an hour to get to 18 all, and we had a team dinner scheduled that night. And and so it's like six o'clock, and I'm like, okay, 18 all, perfect time to to stop this. And they said, no, somebody's going to win this game, and they were dying. You could <laughs> peel them off the floor, and but they were just they were going at it. And and uh, it ended up like twenty six twenty four finished, and all the parents are you know I was waiting to get yelled at, and all the parents were just sitting there watching, and like I said, they were they were they're huffing and puffing and and going at it, and you know big rallies, and it was fun. They weren't even serving tough. They wanted the rallies, you know they they wanted to pass that hit. It was it was it was really fun. So I'm kind of giving you a long way of saying. I kind of agree with you a little bit more on that now about let the game, you know, condition them as well. Cause I, I another thing, I'm not a big fan of girls standing around, you know, we don't need to have two girls doing something and, and eight girls standing around. So if you're, if you're all engaged in doing stuff, I, I think that helps a ton. Yeah. BJ made the point. I think it was last in the
0: last couple of sessions about letting them play pulling one aside, work with them one-on-one, let them back in uh, as a better process than, okay, girls or guys, let's stop and talk about stuff. I mean, you'd have to do a little bit of that. But if that's five minutes or eight minutes into practice of two hours, that's plenty.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's I agree. Part. and I, They all need something different. To stop a whole team, you're wasting. You know, if you got 15 people, you waste 15 minutes for a one-minute speech, where you could have a five-minute speech with one player and only waste five minutes.
1: So how do they take that? Would be is my question, and you know, because sometimes girls, you know, feel like they're they're being singled out. You know, she's shanked three or four balls in a row. Now coach is pulling me out to yell at me, which I I can't imagine you yelling at anybody. Um, but, you know, where you might, you know, your intention is you're taking her out and just saying, hey, you know, it might just be take a deep breath and and get a drink of water here. You're fine, you know, and stuff. But I do, I, I agree with you. I, I just, I'm curious how that's perceived.
0: I think it's I think all
1: in the approach. Go ahead, Steve.
2: No, you're, go, go,
0: BJ. You're right on what I would have said.
2: It, yeah, it's all in the approach. I, I do my best to do it after something worked. So say in your example, player shanks a couple of balls, then she passes one really well. That's the time where I have somebody else go in for after the good one. And I'll say, Hey, you know, that was a good pass. What was different about that one? You know, oftentimes you get, well, it went to the right spot. (laughs) You You want to hear, you know, what, what did, what changes did you make to get to the good pass rather than the bad one? Um, or, uh, you know, like for us, the the one I think of a lot is uh, when we were, let's see, 11s, twelves, thirteens. I I coached the same team seven years in a row, the same group of kids. I just marched up with them, and our thirteens year where they wanted to start hitting one balls quicks, quick attack. So I said, all right, well, let's get five on five going. And <clears throat> you know, all ten kids are there, and then I took out the middle, uh, a middle and they played five on four. Then I showed the middle what a quick attack is going to look like. Cause they really didn't, and they knew they wanted to, but they didn't understand the timing of it. So I just, I took her to the side and said, Hey, I know you want to do this. I think the setters can set it. Uh, the struggle is going to be getting you there on time. So let's, let's work out the time. So we, you know, just, we had a little discussion and then I put her in there and I said to the setter, Hey, start, start setting her quick. It's a quick attack, figure out the timing. And I think that was, I'm well, I'm certain it was the first week of the season. We had a scrimmage very shortly thereafter and they were by the scrimmage. They weren't hitting bombs or anything, but they were, they were setting quick attack and that's, that's how we did it. We didn't, set everybody down and say, this is what we're going to do. Um, you know, rightly or that's, wrongly,
0: that's I, rightly or wrongly, I will tell them, you know, like it's going to be ugly at first. You're, this is going to be awful. At first. When we start, I mean, beginning with beginning players, we will do shuttle passing just to get them to move and to control the ball. I said, it's going to look really, really awful. You're not going to be able to control it at first. Just keep doing it. Cause it'll get better and you'll get, you'll figure out how to control the ball. So, I'll do that, and I think that's effective. The other thing um, I'll use, when I use my big video feedback using BAM, bam video delay, um, I'll, do, I'll run a serve receive, um, I'll call it a drill, because it's more or less, they're, they're doing serve receive. The receiver makes a pass, they come over and watch themselves. And in the beginning, uh, I might give them feedback, or I might just say, watch yourself, see what you did. Um, sometimes I'll say, you might consider this or that. Uh, depending, but they don't they don't want to hear too much. And what I've found is that if you're using video feedback on that kind of delay, you need to teach them how to do that. They'll They'll kind of do it at first, and about half of them, after about four or five reps are, will run by it and not even look at it. They just want to get back in. And so they need to learn how to watch themselves. And how to make adjustments. And that's not as easy as I'd like it to be, but it's you know you need to know it's not they're not going to be great at coaching themselves at first, but they will get better at it.
1: How do you guys deal with do you, is your practice mistakes? You know we look at something that I've had to kind of change because I body language and facial expression, you know and stuff. and I, I have, again, last few years you know, you drill one into the back wall, it's not the end of the world. When I first started coaching, every bad pass, every bad hit was, was, you know, the end of the world, even to me. And now I, I just, you know, swing away and kind of like what you said, it's like, okay, what do we, that last hit was a great hit. You know, what did you do differently? And And that kind of interaction and stuff. But I, but I think you have to have a, an atmosphere where, where they feel comfortable making mistakes. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's something knows. that's changed in the last couple of years. Just, you know, Hey, that's okay. You know, um, we, we had a hitter, you know, trying to teach her a line shot, you know, and she's, she drills five in a row down the sidelines, but it's coming you can see it's coming and just to have that patience. And, um, cause if you don't have that patience and they don't believe you have that patience, they're never going to try it in a game. I just wonder how you guys yeah. are with aches and things like that yeah that was uh it was my first
2: my first big coaching uh, revolution <laughs> it was uh it was uh, the one i discussed already ninety it would have been yeah about two years in my second big coaching revolution was about seven eight years ago maybe um and it it that was one of the big changes was uh w- we started off with I I was really conservative about mistakes previously, and um, and focused on them. And now we're focused on them. But usually it starts with, "Hey, look, it's one of the very first things we're going to make a ton of mistakes." You know, probably the first three things I say to kids I help them understand: you're your own expert. You're you're you know I know I'm here, but I, you're the expert of you. So you have to you have to carry that weight. Two is Mistakes you're going to have to make them. You need to make them so that we know what your full range is. If you're if you're doing what's safe, you're not expanding your range. And I think range is is a term to me that becomes more and more and more important in coaching. We need to develop a player's range in taking a ball uh, to their left or to their right or above their head or whatever it is, or hitting a ball you know to the line or to the angle or to somewhere in between line and angle cut. I mean, there's a, there's an infinite number of angles you can take, but you can't, you can't practice one angle to get better at the other specificity. doesn't work that way. So mistakes is number two. And then, uh, I think number three, thinking with my third and fourth graders, this past, uh, this six week session, I think the third big thing was, um, we're going to laugh with people, not at them, <laughs> you know, uh, And, and I think, I think just setting the tone that way, Mark is, I think it's, it's important to do early and then you have to, at every opportunity, you have to accept the mistake and kind of almost praise it. Like, Hey, I see you building your range there. You're getting, you know, I see what you're going for. Is that what you were going for? No, I was going for this. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, here's, here's maybe another way that you can think about it. I think that's probably just working on that conversation. To me, is that was a huge change for me. Was getting over the mistakes. Um, I wish I'd have done that better early. Because I mean, I was even early on. I was punishing kids for mistakes. and like, that's that's a double negative, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Steve. If you had thought of, thoughts about that,
0: yeah. I you know, I've got uh, I've I've had players. I think a mistake, and I'm just thinking out loud here a little bit, but I want the mistake to teach them something and to get them to change. And so I'll intervene. I I have a player right now who um, is slow to get that concept. So, you know, one day I said, you know, the definition of insanity. And he's like, "Uh, no. (laughs) And I said, well, it's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. He goes, Yeah, Coach, that's why I toss the ball differently every time I serve. (laughs) I'm like, okay, (laughs) can't, can't, I got, you got me. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, that that said, here you know, this is a player who has tremendous potential, but right now is kind of stuck hitting the ball the way he thinks the ball needs to be hit, which is to, you know, absolutely crush it and overpower it. And, you know, keep the, the only 900 feet he can't hit are on the court. Um, and so he's, he's getting better and he, but just to get him to the point where he's got this picture of a, you know, D1 or maybe pro player that he wants to swing like, and he's just not there yet. And so getting him to kind of realize that himself and, he, and towards the end of the season, he started to do that and started to have more success now to get him to go, Hey, there's lots of different hits you can make, um, is, is the next step for him. But, uh, you know, I, I tried to. You know, Catch them doing something right um, when they come off. Uh, I, I think you know you're doing it right when, you know, I've got, a, I've got players on the JV team who are just learning, they're awkward, and they're high school kids. And, and to have your you know, weakest player make a play and score a point and watch the whole bench erupt in fantastic gets, gets you to go. They want each other to, to succeed. So you must be doing something fairly right at that point. If, if you have a bench of people going I can't believe he's playing then you got a problem
1: hmm. no I completely agree it's funny you, you talked about uh, the mistake part we had a girl uh, a couple years ago uh, Claire um, she's working on her jump serve and she'd asked me if she could do it and she, and it was first game of the year and I said yeah go for it and she drilled that ball probably into the next town just shot straight up in the air and you could see in the video, I, I have it, I have it cut and saved somewhere and you can just see me on the sideline, trying not to laugh. And, and she knows she's super embarrassed and stuff. And her and I had, uh, made eye contact and, and, um, I'm, I've got my shirt, you know, you know, and, and stuff. And she just starts laughing she had a great game and, uh, she, um, I asked her at, at a timeout, said, so, you're gonna jump serve again? And she's like, are you kidding me? I say, yeah, why not? I say, if you feel it, don't ask me, just go do it. And uh, she did, she didn't do it in that game, but in the next game um, when it was her turn to serve, she, she went for it and, and it was a great serve. And I, I was, I was excited for her. And I've, like I said, it's hard, it's hard to let that, that go, you know, to let them fail like that, you know, you know, it's you know the last time I let her jump serve, she served it into the river. You know, but I, she needs to be able to do it again. You know, actually, another thing I've I've changed at is uh, uh, in a club team. Um, sometimes I ha- I'm so set on who's gonna serve. Um, some of the girls have to kind of go. You know, hey, can I serve this game? And I look at them, yeah, why not? Okay, you know, go serve. And that it's been hard, you know, you you go in with this game plan, you know, you're the passer, you're the hitter, you're the, you're the server, you're the setter. Um, and, you know, this club season, towards the end of that club season, they're all, you know, hey, can I serve this time? Or, hey, can I serve this game? And, and um, you know, even if it meant we ran a 6-2 in, in our club season, even if that put me in a 5-1 for um, one rotation, and it got to a point where the girls, you know, I'd let the that hitter that usually has a setter come in and serve for her. I just tell them say, hey, you know, you've got two hitters, and they look, and they say, yep, we got it, no, no problems, no issues. It's really fun.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's a big one, I think. Just uh, it, you know, as we've been talking about this, I was thinking about something Pete Wong posted today in the in the volleyball coaches and trainers group. It was about trees in a biosphere uh, <laughs> where they uh, they're blocked from the wind. And, uh, they're, they're falling over anyway, these trees are falling over. And the reason is that they weren't being stressed enough by the wind in order to, uh, in order to grow the way they needed to grow in order to stand up so that, I mean, it's, it's a neat story. And I don't know, I haven't looked up the scientific, uh, portion of it, but it was just a cute story or if it was really something that occurred. But I, I think, I think that's something, um, it's it's probably something that I did wrong early on. I was doing my best to, to put pressure on kids, but it was more mental or emotional and it wasn't physical. You know, we were doing drills and, and it's really controlled in a drill environment. So you're not getting that type of stress. You're not, you're not learning how to adapt and how to grow from it. I think that's another, that's another big benefit. And then of course, putting the mental or emotional pressure on kids, you know, get them out there and get them, get them to strain physically. You know, how do I make that move or how do I get, how do I hit the ball to this spot or that spot? That's, that's where you want the pressure to be is not, not on their, you know, on their personal or on their person as much or their mental side. I don't know. It's just another one I thought of as you were talking about that. It's a a good point. Um, Any other ones? Any other big, big changes, stuff that stuff that either of you guys
1: uh, did or don't do anymore? I would love to say this on VCT or some of the other ones to the new coaches that come out of college or whatever. I think the biggest shock to me when I got to high school was that just because a kid tried out for volleyball doesn't mean they love it as much as I do. That was a huge lesson for me to learn. I learned that in my My first JV job. These kids, they played volleyball because they wanted to be with their friends. Yeah, you had a couple crazy volleyball, you know, do the club. But some of these girls don't even touch a volleyball in the off season, and you had to make them love it. You wanted them to come to practice. You, you know, or you had to make them do it. One of the biggest compliments, although it wasn't a compliment to the coach that replaced me, but I had found out a girl that I had coached um, for a couple of years at a previous school. Um, she quit, and I heard about it. And I texted her and I said, "Why'd you quit?" And she said that you made me love volleyball, and she made me hate it. And I hated hearing that from her. And it was, it was, and and we talked about it. And and she was when as a freshman, she was that kid. I wanna I wanna go play with my friends. I I don't want to do cross country or, you know, any of the other fall sports. So I'll I'll try out this volleyball thing. And, and, and she loved it. You know, you, you see the slideshow I post on my personal page once in a while, or the in the memories, you can see how much they loved it. And that was hard for me to learn too. when I got my first high school head job. That was one of the things I said, I have to do is I have to make them love this they, they and, it, and I think it does start with me. You know, I think it starts with everything that we've talked about, be on time, be engaged, be prepared, you know, just, you know, you, you can't, I, I can't tell you how many times I come into club tournaments and you see, you see coaches look like they're hung over, you know, or, you, you know, they, um, you know, you can just tell, I mean, I, I, they deserve your best. I, I think that goes a long way to how they perceive you and how they how hard they'll work for you, you know, with your engagement. I, again, that's the wedding DJ in me, you know, it's, I walk in and my ties doesn't look good or, you know, I've got a spill or, you know, as, as silly as it sounds, you know, and, and just, it's even with games, you know, it's, you know, I, pre, I, I want to present that I'm there to coach this game or I'm there for this tournament. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know how else to say that, but I, I, I just that's been it. That it hasn't necessarily been a change for me, but it's been something that I've wanted to incorporate every team that I coach. I want them to love volleyball when they leave, and not not all, not all of them do, but I want them to love it.
0: Yeah, I think getting them to enjoy it and to be feel like they're in a respectful environment. Um, my guys this year, you know, we're we're not drawing. Great athletes from other sports. We're getting some. Actually I'm Getting a lot of wrestlers for whatever reason. But uh, you know, wow. uh, but it's interesting to see how they embrace one another. And uh, you know, I, you know, I had a little bit of conflict this year, but it was handled. You know, it was handled in a in a reasonable way. You know, I had I had one ultra competitive, very good ball player who got frustrated with some of the younger guys and with some of the guys who weren't were there to play for fun. And he had to deal with that, and they had to deal with that, and we got we got through that okay. But in general, if you ask my guys to go, you know, we like the guys we play with. We like being in the gym. We make it fun. Um, but it's in a real weird environment. I did not have a. I don't think I had maybe but two players who made more than eighty percent of practices for all kinds of reasons. Some good, some. It's a very different environment. I, I'm actually talking to a, a school because I don't coach in the girls' side, uh, and I'm looking at some options this this coming. And you know, they're they've got the athletic department policy. I mean, if you're not there that, you know, that the day before you miss anything, you can't play, you know, that's not my current school. Uh, I would had to have nobody on the court uh, if I adhered to those. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't uh, try to get there, but it's it's a, a slow process. Um, I don't know about you, BJ.
2: Well, I was going to ask you if you wanted to, uh, if you want to handle that question, but yeah, I agree uh, yeah. with you. I, I think that's,
0: the, the question is our big finish, right? Here's the big
2: question, guys. Yeah, what piece of advice would you give a brand new coach who's new to coaching and new to volleyball? Uh, For me, and I was going to say this anyway as one of my big mistakes, Um, we were way too complex in our training and in our systems. I would simplify the training by saying to a new coach, you don't need to know everything. They're going to learn the game by playing the game. If you play, um, if you need to work on ball control, you play a lot of doubles. Stick a pool noodle in the net so you can make two courts and play a lot of two-on-two and a lot of three-on-three. And if you need to work on, you know, full court serve-receive or systems, you get them out there six-on-six or six-on-four, six-on-three, five-on-five. And learn the systems that way while they're on the court doing it. I I think that's what it would be for me. Just make it make the that one, stuff simpler, easier the for one everyone. question
0: I'd have for Gabriel is what level, um, you know, what age group? Let's say um, not level because you you know you can have a group of high school seniors who are all brand new players, but uh, that would be helpful to know. But that said, I I agree there. Um, my most popular teaching video on my Coach Steve channel is. The basics of uh, basics of, ro- of rotation, and it's literally a diagram showing them how to go around the, the six positions. And people watch that like crazy, and I get really great comments on it. It's just illustrating how rotation works. I think it's how the ba- the basics of how rotation works. Let, let your players watch that. Um, it's no more than six people going around uh, around the positions, but it's a good start. And then I, I agree um, now let's assume you don't know what doubles are or you don't know what uh, a pool noodle is or how it works. Um, (laughs) So you're going to walk out on the court. You're going to get them to play right off the bat. Uh, Brand new varsity coach returning five varsity players. Let's, let's put that up there. Um, So that Uh, that helps. Let's, let's even easier. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to let you guys
2: handle that. Mark, what would you, what's your advice first before we dive into the specific stuff?
1: I think there's actually two things. Um, I think one of the things is you you listen to your players. Um, that's that also goes back to something I, ha- I had to learn. I you know, I can come in with my my legal pad of stuff I want to do. And if they come up to me and just say, you know, game last night, we didn't receive serve. Well, can we do that X, Y, Z drill? We thought that really helped us and to be able to maybe I don't want to do it today. But, I, but then at the same time, they're, they're asking you for something, you know, listen to them. And I, I, you know, nine times out of 10, I probably do do it. Or I'll say, okay, let's, you know, here's where I was going to do serve, receive. You know, here's what my plan was. And, you know, I'd let my captains kind of talk a little bit. Because I kind of know what they need, especially if you're an inexperienced coach, you know, let, let your players talk to you a little bit. And, and I think the other thing is um, network a little bit. Find a couple people that have been coaching for a while. Maybe it's not somebody where you're at, but you know, VCT has got 20,000 plus coaches, get a mentor, get a, get a buddy that you can sit in in a Zoom thing and just say, you know, like he's saying, I'm a brand new varsity coach. I got five returning varsity players. What would you do? You know, and, and, or just, just talk, you know, share a little video you know, what have you. Um, I think those two things I've talked to Gabe a couple of times, but those are the two things I would, I would suggest other than what you guys have said.
2: Yeah. Steve, we can't hear you.
0: Sorry. Um, this is what David Roper had to say when we talked to him way back when new varsity coach with almost the same situation that Gabriel has. And this is what he said, which is exactly what Mark just said.
2: Yeah. Except I didn't spell yeah. fundamentals right.
1: <laughs> Not so much
2: teaching fundamentals. Yeah. They direct fundamentals. me. They lead by letting me know what they can do. Yeah. Neat stuff from, from Steve. Yeah. I, the, um, to go back to your question, Steve doubles, that's just two versus two. Normally we shrink the court a little bit. So in order to shrink the court, Um, a pool noodle just becomes a third antenna that you can weave into the net uh, anywhere you want. We split the net into thirds or in half, or sometimes we'll, we'll we'll split it one thirds, two thirds so that there's maybe two people working on a doubles game. And then we got a bunch of people working on triples or a two versus four or something like that um, on the, on the bigger half. Um, And it's just a, it's an inexpensive way to constrain the court a little bit, um, make it just a little tougher. It's easier and tougher. Um, It's easier because there's fewer people. It's tougher because you got a smaller court, (laughs) you know? Um, But uh, there's a lot you can do an experiment with, uh,
1: with that. Yeah. We have a ton of of those noodles at our club too. You know, we're always uh, one of the things I really like about our club is uh, all the teams have to um, a day where they have to be the ones to pick up all the equipment and put them away. And we're always putting noodles away and and things like that. So that's what I always say is the uh, the BJ part of my practice, they don't know who I, what I'm talking about. But mentally, it's <laughs> like whenever I I do a little short court doubles or something, it's like an homage to BJ that it's like, oh, he'd be so happy with me today. <laughs> so, I think drawing, from, from, our, drawing
0: from this conversation also, Gabriel, I'd, I'd want to know what their favorite drills from the past were, the things that they like to do, which I probably wouldn't do until we had our conversation today. I'd say that. I'd say if you don't know or, or if they don't play Queens or speedball, lots of that. Uh, and um, I, I think that, that as a start. Would you know? Uh, would get them going uh, and learning how to handle the ball the way it's actually played, as opposed to in a structured you know drill environment. Let's end with.
2: Uh, let's just ask this question because we've talked a lot about our you know our old errors. <laughs> let's ask uh, how many drills, how many different base drills do you use in your gym steve probably about five um no. i'll do
0: i'll call kings and speedball almost the same thing uh yeah. i have available that i use which is a uh, a hitting drill but hit off a pass uh um, we'll work on I actually do use a blue lip drill um, that's more for getting the middles to and it's blue lip only because the middles work hard but getting them to go pin to pin and get our blocking going against an attack um, and um, not a whole lot more than those three I mean we, we play a lot uh, we'll work a lot with new teams we spend a lot of time working on rotation I do not like to get called out, out of rotation I want my players to understand it if uh, in a good year half my players understand it and they move the other half of guys around but that's if we get to that we don't get called out they understand you know some of them understand the nuances of it and stacking and all that if we get there we get there if we don't we don't
1: gotcha mark how many eight maybe 8 to 10 yeah. probably um, you know it's it's hard because of the 6 on 6 or 4 on 6 kind of stuff you know cuz you can almost say if you if you called that one, then I'd probably say four or five, because we, we do so much. Sometimes we have the four attack the six, um, sometimes the six, the four. Um, um, yeah, you know, it, just, it just depends. But I really like. Um, uh, like I said, I, most of my practice is that, you know, one side of the court has to have six and and sometimes when you do like a four on six you, you have, or even a five on six, if you have an extra player or something or high school, you've got you've got 12 girls. I always tell the one side, play whatever position you want. So I'll have my, my libero is, you know, five foot three and she'll block the the six footer and, Oh my, that'll change your practice for sure. And stuff. But sometimes it's kind of fun. And sometimes you see something that you just, you know, you're so pigeonholed and this is the hitter. This is the passer. Sometimes when you let them fool around a little bit, you realize, wow, there's my backup setter, or, you know, maybe, you know, wow, she needs to hit a little bit more or she needs to pass a little bit more
2: about you bj yeah i'm down to eight um and uh really only two drills where i I call a drill now um anything that comes to an unnatural ending so if you if you don't play the point mode to me it's a drill Uh, so i'm down to two of those uh like a serve receive drill or just you know, we're serving a ball and ranking and passing and they do still pass that hit, but then we will hit the ball and the and it ends on a dig. Um, so that's one of them. And then I've got another drill that's it's sort of like butterfly, but it's a it's a serve pass set hit. They get four balls, but they're also competing, so that's or it's three, four, five balls, however many you want. It's going both directions on a, on a one third of a court and everybody plays every position, but it's the same deal where they get four balls and everybody rotates one, four balls and they rotate one, four and rotate. Um, but there too, it's an unnatural ending. It ends either with the dig, you know, uh, if somebody digs it, the game is over. But then the other six is one um, v 1v1, 2v2, 3v3, 4v4, five on five and a six we call it six versus x because like you said mark sometimes you get um you know you've got eight players i want to see i want the six side <clears throat> to get reps as six right. so we'll just play you know six versus two and then we rotate everybody to the two side because that's the fun side you know so we'll, yeah, we'll play that with a different scoring system where you got to score this way or that way, or use baseball scoring or, or tennis or a board game or something. Um, that could be six versus three or six versus four or whatever it is. And we just changed the rules that I think Doug Beal answered six when we asked him that at cap three, Steve. Yeah. And um, he said, but every drill has a thousand variations so that was, that was the challenge to me. I, I started writing all the scoring variations down that I had. Uh, I would call them constraints more than scoring variations. Cause we do, you know, there's different things where you can only score by this or you have to do this before you can score. And I counted, uh, I think I got to like 45 or 47 scoring variations that I have. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's gotten pretty simple. That makes it a lot simpler for me. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, for yeah.
0: sure. Yeah, I, I've, I've like you, I've got those books of things that I've seen. And, you know, sometimes you dust them off and bring something in that you like. Uh, I forgot Mike's drill, the drill Mike designed, you know, and we documented uh, an epic video on that. Um, same idea, though. Uh, I, what I'm going to add is I'm going to add more scoring things uh, as I go along. Uh, and I think the other piece that I added this year that didn't come up but uh, came out of our discussion with Jim uh, was um, talking, the on-court communication. I have definitely added the pre-receive discussions rather than focusing on mine. I, mine, if we're in transition, because then you kind of need to know where people are scrambling. But beyond that, it's it's decide up front and make the play. And uh, that's helped us a lot.
1: Yeah, I could not Can agree more. I'm not a big fan of the mine, 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 mine. That was something my assistant coach and I kind of went round and round about is, you know, let them work it out, you know, and, and I don't need to hear them say mine. The girl next door needs to hear them say mine or have that worked out and stuff. So I, I'm 100% in agreement with you on that.
2: That's a little bit of autonomy too, for them. Um, you know, we, that's, that's a topic we'll get into. I have a guest lined up to talk about autonomy. Um, although he's an expert, so we've been avoiding experts, uh, to some degree, Um, or we've had, we've had experts on, but then we didn't talk about their expertise because we're we're doing our best to be learners in this podcast. But, um, that autonomy is really important just for ownership and, uh, it, they believe it helps in improving the skill as well. So I I think I just, I love it for that reason. I don't know, Steve, we're, we're past our hour. You You got to hang up. No, no,
0: this, uh, one thanks, Mark. Two, for those who are watching or uh, who want to subscribe, click click subscribe. Uh, click notification, and it'll tell you when we're on, uh, which is always good. And uh, there'll be a podcast to this. Uh, I'm getting my workflows better there, so I'm getting more of them out, BJ. So I'm trying to get the backlog out, and this one will be out soon, maybe later today if things go well. And, uh, Mark, thanks very much for being with us.
1: You bet. Thank Mark, you. We'll see we'll you in the green room. room. Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, we'll see you folks next time. Thanks for the comments today and uh, have fun in your gyms. Thanks for listening. We're live on YouTube almost weekly on Sunday mornings in the U.S. You can subscribe on the Coach Steve YouTube channel. We post links to our sessions on the Volleyball Coaches and Trainers Facebook group and the Talking Volleyball podcast is live on Apple, Google, and Spotify. See you next time.